0: And welcome to the Labor Day edition of Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Got a great hour planned for you. And number one, thank you for spending a little bit of time this weekend. On the way, ask Annex. Somebody's got a new job. What do they do with the IRA that they've got? somebody. Skipped a couple of estimated tax payments. A little worried about an encounter with the IRS. Going to talk about that. And then a question, does saving too much increase Medicare premiums? Also, the Annex Wealth Management Portfolio Analysis. We talk a lot about it, but what exactly happens? That and a whole lot more coming up on this show. I'm Danny Clayton. Dave Spano will join us shortly. Derek Felsky is our Chief Investment Officer at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Danny. It's been a crazy week going back to... Last Friday
1: and Jerome Powell's speech, which kind of affected and rippled through this whole week, right? It was a tough-talking speech that he gave a week ago Friday, where he basically said that the Fed would have to inflict some pain to counter inflationary pressures. And I think we saw follow-in activity this week. You know, it's a fairly light volume week. A lot of uh, traders and investors are on vacation, uh, but we did close on a fairly weak note. And in fact, for the week, the, you know, the S and P was down over three percent, the Nasdaq down four percent All caps also down four. So more profit taking from that very sharp rally we saw from the middle of June. What
0: seemed to be the major story was Friday morning, when the jobs number came in. And
1: for once, it was pretty darn close to the estimate. Yeah, the interesting thing is 26 of the last 30 readings on inflation have been better than expected. So that that's a positive. And so in today's jobs number, remember last time the jobs number was very strong, which gave the Fed added impetus potentially to hike rates. This time it was more in line. There were some downward revisions. There was a moderation in, in wage pressure. So all in all, it was what some termed a Goldilocks report. <laughs> the conditions are fairly thin. There's not a lot of liquidity, and there was also a good number on Thursday, the ISM Manufacturing Index. In that, the Prices Paid Index, which is the prices manufacturers are paying for raw materials, Plunged to fifty-two point five, its lowest level in two years, which really is consistent with the CPI moving back towards two percent in the not too distant future. Is that an input cost number? Is that it, it two, is, okay. and and you know, and that's what we're looking for. We're looking for some moderation in demand, you know, diminishing wage pressures. We did see that the uh, the number of people in the workforce actually expanded, which is why the unemployment rate ticked up to three point seven. That's a participation number, right? Yeah, yeah. And so essentially, the Fed is getting what they want, and you know the thing i keep thinking about is a year ago the fed thought they'd raise rates once in 2022 obviously that was not the case they've raised rates many more times than that and you have to wonder are they right about next year will we see the persistent inflationary pressures that they now seem to believe we will see perhaps uh, inflation pressures will diminish more rapidly than they think
0: i've seen just a few more mentions of the fact that this the fed could bring this thing in for a soft landing? What's your opinion? On well, that?
1: historically, they haven't done it. Really, right. only 15% of the times have they been able to do it. And two of the cardinal rules of investing are don't fight the Fed and don't invest in stocks when earnings estimates are coming down. And right now, we see both of those things happening. The problem is that in order to anticipate or approximate a bottom, you almost have to act in advance of a trough in earnings and Fed activity because the stock market will sniff that out long before those two things come to So a bit, I guess we need
0: to figure out how bumpy of a landing this is going to be and how far forward we'll feel it. Is still the feeling that 2023 really is going to be quite a year and and one that we could see a recession?
1: I think there is a possibility we could see a recession in 2023. The question is the magnitude. I mean, right now, the United States is in a much better place than Europe is. We hear constantly about natural gas prices, a very uh, difficult winter there there, with inflationary pressures much more severe than we face here, which is why when I look at our portfolios and when we meet as an investment committee every Tuesday, we're talking about balance. You know, we're about average in terms of our allocation to equities, uh, our fixed income allocation is modestly underweight we're looking to add duration there in other words expecting that long-term rates will eventually start to roll over and go lower Uh, but we're not prepared yet to go overweight in equities versus our targets
0: there are 11 sectors. Um, any of them performing better? It looked
1: like energy was going well for a while, but then kind of got knocked around. Well, energy has done done well all year. And in fact, energy dominates the free cash flow yield statistics. They've, they've been able to add a considerable amount to earnings uh, on the total S&P. In fact, without earnings, with earnings from the energy sector, we would have actually had down earnings last quarter in the S&P 500, which many strategists don't seem to indicate. So I would think that the next major thing that
0: we're going to be watching is when the Fed meets and that does happen in September, they took August off.
1: 50 basis points, 75 basis points? Nobody really knows? Is there any indication? Well, this most recent jobs number might suggest they could go 50, but I think many people think they will go 75 again and then perhaps say, hey, you know, we're making a little bit of progress of inflation. Let's watch the data. Let's see how persistent these inflationary pressures are, particularly as it applies to rent and wage growth. And then the other thing is that, you know, we're looking at technical levels. We're around the 3,900 level on the S&P. Some say there's support between there and 38. 850, which would be a retracement of the advance uh, that would still constitute a healthy market. So again, a balanced portfolio makes sense. Take a look at what you own. Make sure you're not over the skis in any particular sector and be patient because this may take a little time.
0: Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer. Thank you. You're very welcome. Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're going to be right back. 620 WTMJ. We're back. Hey, folks, put the power of Annex Wealth Management to work for you. We build plans that factor your entire investment, retirement, and tax plan. can help answer those questions like, how am I doing and what am I missing? I think that might be the most important thing. I'm Danny Clayton, Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer, Annex Wealth Management. Now joining us, Dave Spano, President and CEO, Annex Wealth Management. Welcome to September.
2: Yeah, that's for sure. And September is a a month that certainly has a lot of volatility in it. And particularly this year, there's so many moving parts, obviously, with an election in front of us. And most importantly, there is an old axiom that says, don't fight the Fed. And that's why all eyes have been on that. And right now, this is not just a Fed making a move. This is a significant change in what they've been doing, moving from quantitative easing to quantitative tightening. And before we get too deep into that, let's just have a review of what that means.
1: Well, essentially, quantitative easing was the Fed uh, using their balance sheet to buy buy up treasury bonds and mortgage-backed securities in order to uh, lower interest rates and also provide liquidity to the financial markets. And many people thought that that, of course, was a positive for the financial markets because it in, did inject liquidity. Um, so you would obviously think that if quantitative tightening, which essentially is the reverse, that would, that would be a negative at the the margin and the way the Fed's gonna do it is they're not necessarily gonna sell their Treasury holdings or their mortgage-backed security holdings what they're gonna do is allow those that are expiring to run off which essentially will reduce the reserves in the banking system
2: right and so think about this folks this has really been going on for more than a decade where they were the biggest buyer in the room for fixed income and they went out and bought all kinds of bonds and ran their balance sheet right and what they own up to more than eight $8 trillion. And as Derek just explained, they're going to let that run off. And so that is taking money out of the system. At the same time, they're going to continue to raise rates until they think that they've got inflation at least in check. So both of those things are sea changes in what we've seen for a significant amount of time. And why do I bring that up? Because over the last decade or so, when we've had quantitative easing, It was always the buy the dip crowd has always been dominating, and that may be a change.
1: Right? They called that the Fed put, and as you mentioned a few weeks ago, I think you said the Fed put was kaput, and and by that I mean that you know during periods when we saw dislocations in the stock market, you know a a bear market, if you will, during uh, 2018 or close to a bear market in 2018, and again in 2020, the Fed stepped up and provided liquidity. But in this environment, that's less likely, which is one of the reasons why we've thought as an investment. Committee for some time that the recovery we're likely to see this time will be more of a U shaped recovery. Frustrating for short term traders, but for long term investors, that really shouldn't alter your thinking.
2: Right. And so, what do you do in your portfolio? Obviously, you can do some defensive investments. And of course, think about companies that are going to pay a dividend while you get paid to wait. And that's why we're going to have to see how this goes. And does the Fed actually get inflation under control and into 2023? does it cause a recession and really the concern by everybody is the fed is raising rates on purpose to slow down the economy on purpose and when they do that can they slow it down to a point that inflation comes down but we don't get a recession and that is obviously a concern because recessions and bear markets have been tied together so derek here's my question to you is with all of that backdrop you know what do people do in an asset allocated portfolio this is just just assume a 60 40 portfolio and all 60 40s are not created equally
1: well, the thinking is that the, the stock market will probably start to rally in front of the last Fed rate hike. So as the Fed gets closer and closer to potentially pausing and, and letting the data determine what, what they're going to do going forward, the stock market will probably have rallied. So when I think about how to allocate assets, I think about dollar cost averaging over a number of months, you know, as we get into 2023. I also think about areas of the market that are less vulnerable to downside earning revisions, like in healthcare and consumer staples. I would caution people, consumer staple stocks, generally speaking, are fairly expensive given their growth rates.
2: And let me just jump in real quickly, and just in 15 seconds, consumer staples are what?
1: Consumer staples are companies that basically are recession resistance. Things like Procter and Gamble. You know, people buy toothpaste and soap regardless of economic conditions. Uh, Altria. People will smoke regardless of economic conditions, and so on. And then in healthcare, you know, we've got a lot of pent up demand during COVID for procedures that are that are optional. People were were scared of going to the hospital. In addition, we're seeing now that we're starting to require vaccines again, so that should also boost demand for healthcare products.
0: Eric Felsky. We also have Dave Spano. We're going to continue this discussion towards the end of the show. Stick around for that. Folks, don't go it alone. Team up with Annex Wealth Management as a fee-only fiduciary. Get things going. Visit our website. Click that Get Started button, AnnexWealth.com. Family cottages, cabins, or Dave, if you're listening to the UP, what do you call them? Those are called camps. (laughs) Those are camps. They are special. What happens when you need to transition your property? That's up next. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're going to be right back. 620 WTMJ. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? It's September. Days getting shorter. Football season. Pumpkin spice. Everything is here. And for many who are listening and heading out in the fall, going to the family cottage or lake house or cabin, those places are near and dear to us. Many times, it's a family place. Grandma and grandpa maybe had it, and there's a strong desire to keep those special places in the family. Easier said than done. Annex Wealth Management knows that, and that's why our Saving the Family Cottage presentations are so popular. We've got a webinar version coming up in a couple of weeks. Jill Martin, a wealth strategist and estate planning attorney, is here to talk about the topic and learn more. Welcome back, Jill. Thanks, Danny. So it's not simple when something special, like a family cottage or a cabin or whatever you want to call it, needs to move to the next generation. You know, one thing is not everybody might want it. One family might be two hours away, but somebody else might be two states away.
3: Absolutely true. So anytime we're talking about transitioning assets, it's part of the comprehensive estate plan. But a lot of care needs to be taken for exactly those types of reasons about who should get it, right? The typical estate planner says, I have three kids and I'm going to leave everything to my three kids, right? But then all of a sudden we have a cottage. Can we divide that three ways? Well, we can't carve up the piece of real estate. So then we talk about co-ownership among kids, which can get kind of tricky. So there's a lot of factors that we have to consider.
0: Yeah, the cases are so different. When a family cottage transfers from grandma and grandpa, is there best practices that, that are suggested?
3: Well, I don't know if there's best practices, but there's a lot of different ways to do it, right? So we're talking about do we start transitioning it while grandma and grandpa are still alive? Do we wait until they've passed away? Do we do it through like an LLC or kind of like a partnership among the family? Does it go through trusts, right? There's a lot of different ways, and it really depends on What are we trying to accomplish and what does the family want to have happen with that property?
0: So people's heads can spin. I mean, you you mentioned any number of different scenarios.
3: Absolutely. And what I always tell people is critical is it's not just about what grandma and grandpa want. Right? It might be their cottage, their vacation home that they want to pass on, but they need to make sure they're engaging that next generation in the conversation. Because to your point, if someone doesn't want it, or maybe they've got their own lake house, and so they don't need part of the family one anymore. We need to know that as grandma and grandpa start to set up that estate plan.
0: Let's say the estate plan has kicked in and, and it's been transferred. Family cottages, summer homes require maintenance. That requires money that's part of the plan that gets needs to get divvied up.
3: It really does, and that's where having a good structure comes into play. So a lot of times we see family members do this through an LLC or a partnership type situation and there is an operating agreement that basically says here's the rules of the road, right? That says you know what, we're gonna have a majority rule on if we're gonna make major repairs or we're gonna renovate or put an addition on, those types of things. But there also needs to be kind of that kitty of money for the day-to-day expenses. Who pays for the gas and the utilities or when? what's the cost of when we pull the pier in and out, those types of things. It, it all has to come into play. So we need to know a budget about what is the financial impact of that cabin.
0: Yeah, huge and again, takes planning. Within those, do calendars get set up or is that external from the plan?
3: Um, In terms of who gets to use it when? Yeah. Yeah, that's a a great question, right? Because it might be a one or two bedroom cottage and there's five members of the family. Well, they can't all be there on Fourth of July weekend, Right. right? So it becomes one of those things that maybe over time that does start to need to evolve. It's not necessarily something that's in that operating agreement.
0: I hate to say it, but divorces happen, and family cottages are assets. Uh, Do we cover how to protect that, keep it in the family?
3: We do. That is a huge thing, right? So if all of a sudden you leave it to your three kids, right, and they have spouses, what are those spouses' rights? And if all of a sudden one of your kids gets divorced— that one third interest in that cabin or cottage could be subject to the asset split upon the one child's divorce. So it's really something that that we have to cover and you have to be aware of as part of the planning.
0: Bankruptcies, creditors, things like that too? Yeah,
3: absolutely.
0: Yeah, Saving the Family Cottage, our webinars, one of our most popular presentations. Next one happens soon. It's Saving the Family Cottage, Annex University. It's a webinar that happens on Wednesday, September 21st, 4 o'clock Central, 5 o'clock Eastern. We give those two time zones as this show is streamed across the country and available in multiple time zones as a podcast. You and Deanne are putting this on.
3: We are, yes.
0: It's another example of the way that Annex does comprehensive planning for our clients. Investment, retirement planning, tax planning, estate planning. We do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference? Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Joe Martin, a wealth strategist and estate planning attorney at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. You're welcome. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Saturday, September 3rd and Labor Day weekend. Bottom of the hour. Let's get caught up and head to the WTMJ Breaking News Center. We're back and it's time in the show to get to Ask Annex, head to our website, look for the Ask button, put a question in. You can be anonymous if you like. You can leave us your name. Everybody gets a reply no matter what. Sarah Kyle's a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. She joins us for Ask Annex. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Danny. Randy Winkler, a CFP and a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management, back for Ask Annex. Welcome to you. Thanks, Danny. First one is anonymous. I'm 45 and behind on retirement. For the past two and a half years, I had a job that didn't offer a 401k, so I contributed to a traditional IRA. Just started a new job with a big raise. New job offers a 401k with no match. I plan to contribute 15% and max out my HSA as well.
4: My question is, should I just leave the traditional IRA alone? Should I roll it into a 401k? Well, first off, congratulations on the raise. That's good news. I would think the decision here between the 401k having both of the accounts or having a 401k and the IRA is if you're looking for simplicity or, say, completeness. So if you roll the IRA into the 401k, you have one account. It's just one to keep track of, but you will have limited investment options. You're probably not going to have active management. Now, if you leave it in the IRA, you're going to have a much larger universe of investments to choose from, even to build around some of the weaknesses of the 401k. You know, you can manage it yourself or hire somebody to manage it for you to give options and take advantage of the volatility in the market. So I think it really comes down to what's most important to you. Do you want to have the most options and the most complete investment picture, or do you want it to be simple?
0: Next one up is from Tom. Why has the month of September historically been poor for
5: stocks? Ah, the September effect. Well, there's several theories for possible explanations on the market's poor performance in September. Many mutual funds end their fiscal year in September, so fund managers, on average, are typically selling their losing positions before the end of the year. Another reason could be that mutual funds cash in their holdings to harvest some tax losses. And lastly, once the fall season begins, those vacationing investors return to work and they exit the positions that they had planned on selling.
0: It's Ask Annex. Got a question for us. You head to our website. Look for the Ask button. Next one is anonymous. Please settle an argument. I have both a 401k and an IRA. How similar should they be in composition? Like 30% bonds, 23% large cap, 24% international, et cetera, et cetera, for both?
4: I like this question because there's a number of different ways you can go with it. But I think, first of all, you start out with what's your goal and what's your risk tolerance? And then I would look to the 401k first because, as we mentioned earlier, there are limited options. So let's say, for example, that you don't have a good bond fund. Well, you wouldn't pick a lousy bond fund just to give you a good allocation. In the IRA, you have a much larger universe of investments to choose from. You could build around the weaknesses of the 401k. So you might end up with a slightly different allocation, uh, but I would start with the mix that you have and your risk tolerance. And then if I was going to lean one way or another in terms of being more aggressive or conservative, I'd be more aggressive in the 401k because you're contributing every paycheck, taking advantage of the volatility in the market. But you don't want to be going into bad investments just because you want a nice allocation.
0: Next up on Ask Annex, another anonymous one. It's both Ask Annex and The Confession Booth as someone who is self-employed. If I forgot to make an estimated payment for the first two quarters, will I be penalized if I pay all of my tax liability in the last two quarters?
5: I've answered a similar question in a previous segment, but as you know, we have a pay-as-you-go system here, and the IRS expects to receive the taxes owed quarterly as income is received. If you forget to make estimated tax payments, you might owe penalties and are wise to get back on track with a larger estimated payments in subsequent quarters. Another common strategy is for you to make extra withholdings from your paycheck and also from IRA distributions if you are taking them. Withholdings are treated by the IRS as receiving equally throughout the entire year. So if a taxpayer has opportunity to withhold more from their paycheck or IRA distributions, the withholding will satisfy previous quarter underpayments.
0: Okay, our last one on Ask Annex is also anonymous. Uh, I read that if I save too much in a tax-deferred retirement account, I'll pay more for Medicare premiums in retirement. I save and invest a
4: lot. Is this true? No, it's not, but I think I know what they're getting at. So you don't get charged higher Medicare premiums by the size of the account, but on the size of the withdrawal. So if you have a $1,000 or $100,000 or $1 million, $10 million IRA or 401k, it doesn't affect your Medicare premium, but how you withdraw the funds can. So, for example, if you take out too much, let's say you're doing a Roth conversion or you're taking money out for some other purpose, if you cross over the, are called Irma thresholds. That's income-related monthly adjustment amount. If you cross over that, you then pay additional Part D and Part D premiums for both you and your spouse. So it can be quite expensive. So you have to be very careful with your withdrawal strategy that you don't cross over those. So we do sometimes here. Sometimes it makes sense to pay a little bit more. We don't want to, but if it makes sense for a tax strategy, maybe down the road we're going to be better off. But for the most most part, we want to make sure we don't cross over those numbers. And unlike income tax brackets, which are progressive, if you cross over $1 in the next bracket, you're only paying the higher tax bracket on that $1. You cross $1 over the Medicare threshold, you're paying thousands of dollars because you're over and you're nailed.
5: Yeah, and isn't there a two-year look back on the Irma threshold?
4: Yeah, so what very often happens is when you cross over that threshold, you forget about it two years later. Well, suddenly your Social Security check is smaller because they're taking out bigger premiums, and hey, what's going on? So it's just something to be aware of. Is that something we help clients plan through? Oh, yeah. We look at this all the time. We have some really nice software. We can load up a tax return and take a look at how close are we to the next capital gains bracket, the next income bracket, the net investment income tax, the IRMA threshold. And we want to make sure that we stay within those. Or if we're going to cross over them, we're doing it consciously and after having a discussion that this makes sense.
0: We can help you figure it out. Investment, retirement planning, tax planning, estate planning is a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference? Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Randy Winkler. says Peep, Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Well, oh, thank you, Danny. Sarah Kyle, Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. You bet. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're going to be right back on 620 WTMJ.
5: It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team. One plan. One fee. AnnexWealth.com.
0: Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? When Dave Spano says, know what you own, we don't want you to think it's just a marketing phrase. To help explain what that means, I'm joined by Eric Strom, CFP and Manager of Financial Planning, Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back. Thank you, Danny. So Eric, when we invite people to click that Get Started button at Annex Wealth Management, that puts a few things into motion. A wealth manager will establish contact, talk things over, learn more about the person or persons involved, and then work to gather statements that the team will use for analysis. What is it that's needed at that point? What's needed are those
6: statements that you mentioned. So statements for all investment accounts, 401ks, IRAs, brokerage accounts, Roth IRAs, and the list goes on and on. And once the team has that, what is the process? It's really organized And analyze. So, first of all, what types of investments are we talking about? Do you have exchange traded funds, mutual funds, individual securities, stocks, and bonds? And then, how are all of those investments working together to create the overall portfolio?
0: As we pour through the data, what kinds of things pop out to the team? You know, many things pop up. I'll give you
6: one example. Sometimes we see over diversification. So, we always hear, Danny, diversification is a good thing, right? However, sometimes people are over-diversified, meaning they have overlapping similar funds. And when that happens, and each of these funds have slightly different strategies, not only is it hard to get your arms around what we're working with but it can become hard to have an intentional system and strategy
0: when you have all of these overlapping styles of investments. I'm going to guess it's not uncommon for people to have multiple IRAs or even investment accounts. How do you sort those things out? Yeah, so it's
6: the mishmash that we always talk about, right? It's very common to have multiple different accounts. So first, we organize by tax status. So is this brokerage account or a taxable investment account? Is this an IRA or pre-tax type of account, or is it a Roth style of account? And then once you get organized, we analyze those holdings. And then that lets us streamline and focus your investments and work towards a
0: better result. We're with Eric Strom. CFP manager, financial planning at Annex Wealth Management, talking about the Annex Wealth Management portfolio review. What about the risk or the appetite for risk? Where does that come in? With all of our clients, we do a
6: risk assessment where we say, what level of risk are you comfortable taking? And then you can still sleep at night. Similarly, as we do financial planning for clients, we talk about what capacity for risk your financial plan can handle. And then what we do, Danny, is we compare that to what is your actual level of risk that you're taking right now in your portfolio? And do they match? Maybe you have a certain level of risk that you're comfortable with, but you're actually in real life taking a lot more risk than that. And in that case, we've got to work to balance those out. We're talking about three
0: things, right? Appetite, capacity, and then actual risk. Yes. And you've got to know all three and then work towards getting in a good harmony. How about portfolios that are loaded up with proprietary investment products? And to be more clear, that's an investment vehicle that got invented. Say it's the XYZ advisory company, super duper fund.
6: Yeah. So many investment companies not only have financial advisors, but they also make their own funds. It's like when you go to the grocery store, right? You see the the house brand. It's similar. So house brands, are they necessarily bad? Not necessarily. However, what we want to avoid are when we have portfolios that are made up exclusively of just one, you know, selection of house brands, because then you're thinking, did someone actually put any thought into what investments are going in here? And most times, the house brand is not more expensive. What's important is that we're aware if there are proprietary investments because they can't have unique qualities, and we want to know the fees and the quality of those investments.
0: The team has performed forensic analysis. The portfolio is deconstructed, laid out on the table, however you'd like to describe it. That allows us to get back with the prospective client and with the wealth manager, lay things out in black and white. Danny, that's when our work is complete and that transfers over to the wealth manager to work directly with the client to implement that analysis. Things are always busy at Annex Wealth Management, but we always have room for more. If you have any questions, folks reach out to us for investment in retirement planning, tax planning, estate planning. We do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference? Our website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Eric Strom, CFP and Manager, Financial Planning, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for coming in. Thank you, Danny. Stick around. More to come. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Quick break. We're going to be back. You're listening to 620 WTMJ. We are back. Just a reminder, this show available on demand at the top of the hour in case you miss part of it. It's on the Annex Wealth Management Spotify channel. Axiom is our free weekly newsletter. If you head to our website, you can sign up for that. Don't have to be a client for that. We're also on social media. We're on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. YouTube with the Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel, over 1,500 videos, all produced by Annex Wealth Management, highly searchable, lots of great learning topics. Derek Felske, our chief investment officer in the studio. Dave Spano is president, CEO, Annex Wealth Management. Yeah, thanks, Danny. You know, uh, off air, uh,
2: Derek and I were just having a conversation about really what we've seen in the past. If you look at how markets have reacted going into a midterm election. It's been pretty significant, and you have a lot of data you've put together, Derek.
1: So far this year, it's more or less following the pattern. You start off strong, you go into the summer months, some doldrums, and then the markets start to rally in anticipation of an outcome. That tends to happen in October. And that kind of tag teams with what I said earlier about dollar cost averaging over the next three or four months. If you've got cash on the sidelines, you don't need to go all in, uh, but to just gradually increase your exposure to equities as the Fed moves through this tightening cycle. I think you'll be well rewarded if you have a long-term perspective.
2: And Derek, I'm I'm just going to presume that the market generally rallies into the midterm election. It does not matter what side of the aisle that you're on. You think your side is going to do better. And of course, the president's party hasn't done well in a midterm election. But right now, we're seeing the president's party pretty energized and excited about what's going to happen going into this election. So, both sides are excited about what could happen and then perhaps the fed maybe pauses those are two big stories
1: right you know we have the next fomc meeting on september 20th and 21st uh, the one thing that i keep going back to is you know we made a bottom in june we had an enormous rally over 20% in the nasdaq 19% in the s&p 500 which basically retraced about half the decline from the highs in january what we've done now is we've rechased half the advance from June into July. So, to me, now is an area where you'd expect to see some support. And one of the things about what happened in June that's kind of interesting, and this has only happened three times in the last 30 years, is 73% of the stocks in the S&P 500 were in bear market territory. That's only happened three times in the past 30 years. So, there's a very strong likelihood that potentially that was a low. So, it requires some discipline, a Shopping list, a cursory and, and also detailed review of your portfolio to see where you're overextended and underextended. And, and I think a glasses half full approach.
2: Yeah, and I agree. So there's two things that I would also add to that. Number one, it's going to take some patience because we may be in a more muted return environment because of the change in the Fed policy. And number two, on the other side, if the Fed does pivot, air quotes right here on radio, pivot and also has to start lowering rates, that could cause a rally. And this is what I would tell folks, there's been 13 recessions post-World War II with an average downturn of about 31%. Here's the good news the average return post that or the recovery has been over 200%. So Patience, making sure that you're positioned correctly, is all part of that, and that's the reason why going through that portfolio, Derek, is so important to make sure that you're that your asset allocated in the correct areas. Yeah,
1: and the other thing I was talking with Todd Voigt, our chief investment strategist, you know, he was pointing out in the fixed income markets. I mean, let's face it, you know, the Fed is raising rates, but that's not necessarily a bad thing because now a CD is yielding north of three percent. You can get north of five, six percent in corporate bonds. And as inflation begins to moderate to levels below that, you can actually earn a real return in your bond holdings, which is the first time that's been true for quite some time. And
2: I just want to get to one concept that was talked about for a long time, and that was called financial repression. That term was thrown around for a long time. What does that mean?
1: Well, that basically means that the Fed was deliberately holding interest rates down, which was really killing savers. You know, retirees who live on a on a fixed income portfolio, they were seeing their the yield on their investments decline and for new money and as a result they weren't even earning the rate of inflation and that was repressing their ability from a financial perspective perspective.
2: And so, Danny, so now you go through that and go, there is an opportunity set that we haven't seen in a long time. You know, Obviously, Derek and I have been doing this coming up on four decades, and we've seen a lot of these pullbacks, but we've also seen opportunities. And we want people who are listening to us today to understand there is an opportunity set going forward. And so that is the
0: reason why a fee-only fiduciary is so important. The adjustments that people would make now in a portfolio with the help of Annex Wealth Management, is this more for the rest of this year or is it into next year when we think things are going to be a whole lot bumpier?
2: Yeah, no, we th- it's, both. it's both. So obviously it's positioning as we head into the end of this year and into next year and beyond, Danny, because it starts – and ends with the financial plan, there's going to be stops and starts. But if your financial plan says that, for example, you're going to be fine in three and four and five years when you're ready to retire, or if you are in retirement, that your money is going to last, that is really the end goal.
0: Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome, Danny. Dave Spano, President CEO, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks to you. Thank you, Danny. Good show today. Ladies and gentlemen, don't sit still. We're into September. Throughout this show, we've given you any number of reasons to work with a fee-only fiduciary. Take a couple of minutes. Fill out that contact form on our website with the Get Started button. They work together. Let's talk next week. And we'll see you back here next Saturday, 10 o'clock. This Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 620 WTMJ.